Hello, and welcome to Are You Going to Eat Your Fat? This podcast is a resource dedicated to those struggling with eating disorders. If you are struggling with an eating disorder or know someone who is, maybe a brother, sister, daughter, wife, we want to be here to provide resources and offer hope. I am Dina Lewis, and I'm here with my husband, co-host, Brian Lewis. We are not doctors, but we do come with more than 20 years' history in dealing with eating disorders. Whether you found us on purpose or by mistake, whatever the case, we hope by the end of this episode you have learned something, or at least, if you are struggling, you do not feel alone. Hi, and welcome to Are You Going to Eat Your Fat? I'm Dina. In this episode, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the inner voice. I had that inner voice in me quite a bit. I think when I noticed it the most was towards the end of my eating disorder when things started to get really bad. And I think I've shared before that when we were first married, we had this little apartment and we would go into the kitchen to get something to eat and I'd open up the pantry and it would be like I had an angel on one side on my shoulder and then a devil on the other. And I couldn't win because it didn't matter what I chose to eat. One side would say something or the other, and it was just exhausting. It just never shut up. I think the only time I never heard the voice was when I would sleep at night. And as soon as my eyes popped open the next morning, it was going crazy, like 90 miles an hour, because it was constantly directing me and telling me what I needed to do and what I didn't need to do. Now, sometimes, initially, that voice was rather kind. It came in slowly. It didn't just start off and start barking me orders. But if I wasn't listening to the voice, then it would get louder and louder and louder. And the voice really liked it when I was alone because it knew I was scared and that there was no one there that I could go to and say, help me. Plus, even if I went to somebody, nobody was going to understand what I was going through. I mean, I sounded like I was nuts and crazy. Initially... I think the voice took so much over me that it kind of became, well, people say, a.k.a. the devil. And that's true. It did. I mean, it was to the point where sometimes I was just in tears if I didn't do exactly what it wanted me to do. But when I was in treatment, I didn't hear that voice as much because we were kept so busy with meetings and groups all day long. And I think, too, there was just so much more positive energy in there that it knew it wasn't going to have any possibility to take over at that point. But it was scary to come home because I was with all these women for like seven months plus, and we were all eating together every day and supporting each other because we were all going through the same thing. And then to go home and now eat, obviously Brian would be there for dinner and breakfast or something, but then he'd have to go to work and I'd be on my own in the afternoon That's when it wants to come in and just, like, take over. That was a really scary part. Some of the things that kind of helped me, and I don't know if it will help you, but I would call Brian at work and I would say, and this is exactly how I would say it, I'd say, I promise and commit to you that I'm going to eat my lunch, I'm going to eat my snack. I don't know why that worked, but it worked for the time. I guess because I'd gotten a conscience again where I felt like I couldn't lie to anybody or I didn't want to lie to anybody. And that if I said that and I said it out loud, then I had to follow through with that. So that was one way I kind of dealt with it. And 
they've told me like when we left treatment and they're like, you know, your recovery is your full-time job. We want you to go to meetings. And we'd gone to quite a few meetings every day in treatment and they wanted to just do that. Now that I look back, I think one of the reasons to go to all these meetings was because then you get outside of your own head and you're dealing with people and you're surrounding yourself with people that are supporting you. So I always think it's a great idea to go to a meeting and surrounding yourself with people that understand you. Now, there were times that I would go and if I was having a hard time and Brian wasn't available or something like that, I would just take my lunch and go over to my mom's house because it's crazy how the voice goes completely away when there's other stronger individuals in the room. I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but almost every day I have this routine where I I do my budget. And for some reason, I get really stuck when I do it. And I'm not sure the voices come out like I can't do it. And if I sit in the room, sometimes I can do it by myself. But if I go upstairs to one of my daughter's or my kids' rooms and I do it when they're in the room, it's not perfect, but it helps a lot because I don't start overthinking things. I don't know if that helps anybody or you can understand, but I wanted to kind of show you that it's not just about the food where that voice comes in. It can come in other aspects or other parts of your life where you feel a little more insecure. Initially, that voice was a voice of comfort and support. I thought it was my best friend. I thought it was my lover at times. Now, I'm not saying that I was sexually attracted to it, but we shared something that Brian and I didn't share together, that my family and I didn't share together. I had a relationship with it. And knowing that that was going to leave if I went into treatment was a really scary thing because at times, like I said, it was very comforting to me. And I felt like it looked out for me, like it wasn't going to make me fat. You know, now that I look back, that's completely wrong because it was ready to jump and pounce on me. And it was the person that wanted me to fail the most. So anyway, I believe that the voice has many roles, okay? Sometimes, like I said, it can be kind in the beginning, but most of the time it's a coach. I don't know how to describe it, but it like instructs you on how to either restrict this is how you do it. Don't eat that. Don't eat this. Or maybe it's encouraging you to purge after a meal. Sometimes it's a cheerleader. And sometimes it's like once you've achieved, whether that's binging and purging or restricting or whatever or overeating, it's like, yay, you did it. You did it. But then it's never good enough. It wants more and more and more and more from you. Sometimes it can be like a drill sergeant where... It can be very demanding and unrelenting until the voice is satisfied. I could feel that completely because like standing in front of the food, it would just go off and it would just tell me what to eat and what not to eat, even though I wanted to eat something. And there's times that I did not listen to the voice, but then the guilt that would come after that fact was more than I could bear. It wants you to harm yourself. It wants you to die. It wants to take all life out of you. I mean, the more preoccupation I had with the food, the more negative self-talk I had. So it was kind of like a circle that went around where you'd have the more of the negative talk I would have, self-talk, then I felt worthless because it's already telling me I am. So I felt it. And then I had the more preoccupation with the food. And I can't tell you how many times I would look at recipes and different things like that and be so preoccupied by 
how many calories were in it, fat was in it, whatever was in it. And I'd spend my whole day looking at a cookbook. When I think back to some of my worst days before I entered treatment, I didn't think I ever could get better. I fell down that rabbit hole so far and so deep that I forgot what feeling good felt like anymore. And the pressure from my family and the pressure from doctors, nurses, whoever I was seeing was unreal. I know I wasn't sure that I wanted to live anymore. It was hard enough as it was just being where I was to the point where thinking like, this is as good as it's going to get. But I didn't choose to have an eating disorder. Nobody ever chooses to have an eating disorder. But I did choose at some point into my recovery, I chose to get better. Initially, I did it for my mom and for my family and for my husband. And I did it for them. That's initially how it started, because I knew I was getting really close to death. But as I got further and further into treatment, I liked who I was becoming. I liked that I now had a voice. I felt like people always spoke for me rather than me speaking for myself. And I think that's one of the best things that recovery taught me. Out of all of what happened, I think treatment taught me to be able to speak for myself when someone's upset with me, to be able to know that I'm not responsible for what somebody else does with the information I share, but I also don't have to be mean or demanding or anything like that, but I can just share how I'm feeling, whether that's the good, the bad, or the ugly. And for a long time, I was never taught how to share what I was feeling. And now that I'm better, I'm more in tune with my thoughts and my feelings, where before I didn't know what those were. So I can identify when it's me speaking to myself within myself, or it's that inner voice, that devil speaking to me. And sometimes I know this isn't going to be politically correct or the nicest way to go about saying it, but sometimes my husband kind of taught me this short little prayer. And sometimes I would just have to scream out loud, shut the fuck up, because that was the only thing that shut that inner voice down was when I raised my voice and screamed back at it. It didn't always help, but it kind of just gave you that shock value, you know, I guess. But I know the struggle is real. I've lived the struggle, and I still live the struggle. I wouldn't wish this on anybody, not even my worst enemy, because there's people that come up to me, and if I've shared my story with them, jokingly, they'll say to me, oh, I wish I had a little bit of your disease. I'm telling you, it's not funny, and you don't even want a tiny piece of it because it's something that takes over your whole being, your self-worth, your self-esteem, and stuff. So the voice can be rule-oriented. It can be harsh. It can be loud. It can be very critical and demanding, but it can lessen as you find tools to use to get better and as you know that you're not alone in this, that you're not the only one of these feelings And that's primarily why I wanted to do this podcast, because I wanted to share how I felt. And I know if I felt this way at a time, then I know somebody else must be feeling this way. And if I can be a voice to those that don't have a voice right now, that's what I want to do. I hope that you all know that how much I really enjoy doing this podcast, but I hope to hear from all of you soon as well, because It gets harder and harder to think, what can I share with you guys? But I need to hear what you want to hear me talk about from my story that maybe I haven't shared. I do want to say that my sweet husband and one of my daughters 
developed a website for me for a Christmas present for Are You Going to Eat Your Fat? So that's going to be coming real soon. And we're going to have some merch on there because at the end of February, it's Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And that's just mainly just to bring awareness to the community. So I'm hoping we can have those shirts available. They're super cute. I love them. The website is areyougonnaeatyourfat.com. I just want to close in saying the serenity prayer, and I wish you guys a really blessed week. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it. You are worth it. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us. If you found this podcast useful or we have given you hope and you want to reach out and contribute, feel free to do so at eatthatfat at gmail.com. That's eatthatfat at gmail.com. Our pledge to you is that every penny that we get in contributions goes to production costs and keeping the lights on. We will not pay ourselves, but anything above and beyond production costs will go to benefit organizations that specialize in eating disorders. Please reach out to us if you need resources or you just need to talk. You are not alone and there are people who care. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it. You are worth it.